HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, and we are coming to you at a brand spanking new time, 11 a.m. Wednesdays, uh, same day, new time. Uh, to be honest, is totally for selfish reasons that I move the hour later, and that is so I can eat lunch at Roberta's more often. They open for lunch at 11 Finishing up at 10.30 did not work for that. So uh, I'm going to be enjoying a lot more lunches here at Roberta's. We are, we're, we are coming to you live in the drink every Wednesday, uh, 11 a.m. Um, and if uh, you want to listen to any past episodes that at this point were all shot at 10 a.m., uh, they are all on heritageradionetwork.org. Um, and please do subscribe on iTunes where you can be in a very select group of people who uh, who have uh, left uh, comments. It'd be great if you can uh, rate uh, our show, and uh, I would love uh, love your ratings. Uh, I say that as a select group, but I would like to grow that group. That would be awesome. Um, today uh, we're going to have a great show. I'm sorry if I'm a little rusty. We've had a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, I have been focused on opening up Alta Linea at the Highline Hotel. Uh, Alta Linea is an outdoor summer restaurant and um, we're going to open up next week the first week of may and go till about the first week of october it is a place where we focus on all things uh, italian aperitivi uh, campari aperol vermouths all different uh, italian 
wines, uh, small production wines, and it's in a beautiful outdoor uh, garden. Last year, our hit drink was the frozen Negroni. We sold about 20 an hour. I've never, uh, I've never sold that many of anything in any of our, our restaurants. Um, and that is a kind of great segue for our guest. Uh, our guest is a good friend of mine uh, and the author of a brand new, absolutely beautiful book called The Cocktail Culture of Italy, Aperitivo. Uh, it's Marissa Huff is on the show here in the studio with us today. She is a James, Bo- James Beard nominated uh, journalist and author, and uh, she's written for La Cucina Italiana, where I was a huge fan of, of her work. That is an absolutely fantastic magazine. If you find any uh, any old copies, and unfortunately it's not with us any longer, um, it's still relevant, still great reading. Um, La Cucina Italiana, the American version. Uh, she's also in for Wine and Spirits and the Art of Eating. Uh, she lives in Padua, Italy with her husband, and she's here in the studio with us today. Marissa, welcome. Thank you. Uh, it's good to be here. Long intro, but I should also say that you, uh, we went on this amazing trip to Italy together. Uh, uh, we went on this crazy wild boar hunt, and then uh, kind of on a whim, we decided, uh, along with two other friends, to go to Venice. And uh, I was anti going to Venice because I had a, a, a not great time. And you're like, trust me, trust me, I, I know all the good spots. And you changed my mind. I was like, wow, Venice is great, completely on your recommendations of where to go. Well, thanks, Joe. That, I'm glad you had a good time. That was a really fun trip. So, Marissa, what, I, I know that years ago you wrote an, uh, a beautiful article uh, in La Cucina Italiana uh, on Aperitivo. Uh, what made you want to dive into write uh, an entire book on this? Well, actually, um, it was the publisher, Rizzoli, who approached me after that article came out. Um, and I didn't have time at the time. And uh, a number of years later, they came back to me and said, I think you should do this. I think that there's a market for it. And I said, all right, let's do it. And uh, that was probably three years ago. So we finished up the book last summer, and uh, here it is today. It's about a two-year process, huh? This was. um, I do have a full-time job, so this was something I had to do on the sides and dedicate the time to on the weekends. Um, There was a lot of travel involved exploring the the cities of northern Italy and visiting all the places that I wanted to uh, find recipes to, to take inspiration from. Um, and then also, we all, all of the photos in the book were shot on site. So I, my photographer, Andrea Fazzari, uh, came to Italy twice, mm. and we, we toured around to get all of the photos taken. Wow. And so, yeah, I mean, you're by all means a, uh, a wine expert, Italian food and culture expert, and, and also a, a, a cocktail uh, expert. What, what did you find was most surprising in, in this process? What did you learn that you hadn't expected? Oh, let me think about that one. Why don't you think about it and let's tell people what aperitivo is first. I I realized that we didn't do that. Like I said, I'm a little rusty. Let's (laughs) explain just like what this aperitivo uh, culture is all about. Okay. So I guess that a lot of people like to compare it to a happy hour, meaning it's the time of day, usually post work, that people get together uh, generally in a piazza or, you know, during the summer, they'll be outside or in a a bar and have a fairly light uh, cocktail 
before dinner. Um, aperitivo, the word, is at, it refers to the drink itself, but also the getting together, the social hour. Um, it differs from ha happy hour here in the States because you're not going to get a drink for less and, you know, $1 tacos or buffalo wings um, as a side, but rather you may end up even spending more money. Um, and with that, you have in places like Milan a buffet of food or um, in Venice, this aperitivo culture is a little bit different and you will spend not very much on wine because wine generally isn't that expensive there and you can buy separately what they call chiquetti which are like uh, venetian tapas is the, the way people like to describe those so it's you know i fell in love with aperitivo studying abroad uh in florence where i guess the the culture of it isn't quite as strong as it is up north but the, i i found that this was a way, as a student, uh, I can, number one, you know, get a pretty cheap uh, meal because uh, mm -hmm. I would you, you buy one drink and you can generally eat as much as you want for free and try not to, like, completely look like I'm just eating all the food. Uh, mm -hmm. But two, actually experience a pretty real, authentic Italian experience where there is a way as, like, a young student who was somewhat, you know, shy about meeting Italians was able to like actually like hang with with Italians so they seem so much cooler than me and just like <laughs> this like effortlessly I don't know uh like they, this is their time of hanging out and it was it was really fun yeah that's absolutely true in fact at some point um they unfortunately coined the term apericena, which uh, was ap the aperitivo and cena, meaning dinner, uh, joined together this compound word that uh, is basically, the, you know, that's, the, what the, I was the, doing. You, that's what you were doing. You were going out. You're supposed to be an, in the guise of having an aperitivo actually just, you know, going crazy and eating dinner because you're filling your plate multiple times with all you can eat buffet. Um, that, there's been a little bit of a, a change in, in more recent years in, in Milan where this kind of thing really took off. Um, and a move back towards a little more civilized approach mm -hmm. where the bar may serve you a single plate with some different bites on it um, just to make it, you know, a little bit to, less to of, get a free for, of a, a less of free for all. Um, but then there's also the. I probably know, single handedly changed that rule. Like <laughs> I changed the culture for it, you know. Get, get, putting le putting more restrictions on the amount of food that people can eat. Yeah, and then the the, the whole the, the whole uh, sense that it doesn't have to cost that much. You know, it, in some places you will find really designer cocktails, and you pay for them because there's there's the the beauty of like the recipe that they came up with and, and the ingredients that they're using, and it's been master masterfully mixed. But something like a spritz, where you really is just you know toss three ingredients together and stir it with some ice, and maybe drop in a slice of orange and an, and an olive. In places like Venice and Padua, you might spend less than you would for a glass of water on that spritz, which is just incredible. So in Padua, it's the town where I live, it's, you have the second oldest university in Italy, and um, thousands of students that flood the piazzas and, and you know are sipping on these neon-colored drinks. I remember an article that came out in Vanity Fair, I believe, and they named Padua the public drinking capital of the world. Wow. Yeah, just because you get there and it's just everyone's out there sipping on these things. And it's mostly at aperitivo time. Absolutely. Spritzes. Absolutely. Spritzes. Spritzes. Um, there, you know, there, there there is also a big wine culture. Mm -hmm. So you'll you'll find that there are some wine bars where people would prefer to drink wine, sparkly wine, or you know, a light white wine. Um, but especially among the student population, spritz is the thing. And when we say spritz, it's like 
Is it fair to say it's like 99% Aperol spritz? Like, yes, in, yeah. in, in, and that's uh, nowadays that's the case. Aperol, which is also from Padua, um, has invested a whole lot of money to make that uh, the, the word spritz equivalent with, with Aperol. Um, once upon a time, and I'm talking probably 10, 15 years ago, you, you're just as likely to find a spritz made with Campari, or in Venice, a spritz made with Select, which is a more Campari-like mm. uh, bitter liqueur that they that's red as well, um, that's from Venice. But these days, yeah, Aperol And you, you talk in the book a little bit about just the general history where that northeastern area was controlled by the Habsburgs, and they liked their wine spritzers. Absolutely. Right. But then at some point that changed from like a wine spritzer to a or wine spritz to a, a bitter. Exactly. So the Italianness of it was when, when they added the, the bitter component to it, because originally it was just wine um, with uh, sparkling. Well, actually, no. Originally, they, they, it's believed that it could have been sparkling wine with just regular water, that the sparkle came from the wine itself and not from the soda water being added. Um, but uh, later on. The, the Italians added, you know, the bitter component. Uh, to this day, however, if you visit a place like Trieste, up in, you know, the, really, really close to the Slovenian border, um, there, where there was a huge Austrian influence, you order a spritz, and they generally uh, will take it to believe that you're ordering a spritz bianco. So that's bianco meaning white, and that's without a bitter. So it is just white wine and soda water with a slice of lemon. Huh. Delicious in the summer when it's really hot. That sounds delightful. Yes. Oh my god! And then the, you see that Aperol is talking a lot about this like three, two, one recipe. Is that I always find that like when I make spritzes, I don't measure it. I think most cocktails, like I'm really you know anal about the bartenders jiggering everything out. But it seems like that is a recipe that you can kind of do a little more haphazard. That's true. And it's very un-Italian to measure things out, yes. you know? So I think that you're right to just kind of take things in and, and, and pour them in and you, you can eyeball it. You can also just play around and see what, you know, what you like and you can cater it to yourself. You don't have to be that precise. I think the three, two, one came along because they just wanted something that was easy to remember. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I once read that each sort of town has a different ratio that they like to go by. Um, that seems, do you agree with that? Or I don't, I don't believe I found that. I okay. also am not the biggest spritz drinker. Um, I must admit. You know, well, but, what's your aperitivo drink of choice? Uh, it was Negroni mm-hmm. it, until I, uh, got pregnant and had a baby and I can really, <laughs> when Negroni would put me on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, so now, now I really like Americanos cause it's just a lighter version and you still have the Campari and the vermouth together, which I think is a great combination. Okay. So, uh, an Americano is a Negroni with soda water and the precursor to the Negroni. And, uh, I do want to talk to you about the Spagliato, which is maybe my favorite variation, which is the Negroni with uh, uh, Prosecco or sparkling white. Well, it's Prosecco uh, instead of yes. uh, instead of uh, gin. Um, the story that I have read and that I have told countless times to guests, to uh, staff that I'm training, is the story that I've read, which is that some bartender in a busy bar haphazardly grabbed a bottle of Prosecco instead of gin and uh, the guests were waiting a long time, and they're like, it's okay, we'll take it, and they ended up loving it, and so they called it the spagliato, the mistaken one. Um, it seems so unlikely to me that <laughs> someone could mistake a bottle of Prosecco for a bottle of gin with the cage, and it has to be cold yeah. and all that. Italians are great storytellers. <laughs> so, you know, um, the, the, 
what I've been told um, directly from the source is that the Negroni Spagliato was created um, by Mirko Stocchetto, uh, who is the owner and a former bartender at Barbasso in Milan, which is this great old school bar, all wood paneled with like, you know, crystal chandeliers. And he claims that it wasn't um, the bartender's error necessarily in grabbing the wrong the, the, the bottle um, from the wrong spot, but the person who actually stocked the bar put a bottle of Prosecco in the place where he normally would grab for gin. But yes, of course, like the shape of the bottle itself, you would have you know imagined that he would have caught on before he actually poured it. But it makes for a great story, and you know he's now famous, so that works out well. That's great, yeah. and it kind of. Uh, it, it, it does make for a good story, and you can picture it, it happening and the, the, that whole interchange, and now it's this classic drink. But then when you think about it, you're like, wait a second. Well, you, have to, you have to make sure you make a trip to, to Milan and go to Barbasso. Uh, you know, if, if you're interested in Italian cocktail culture, that's, you know, a, um, a, a must-do. His uh, Mirko's son is now kind of the, running the show, uh, Maurizio, and he is a hoot. He spent some time living in Berkeley and mm-hmm. really will come up with some great stories for you as well and, and a lot of the places that you cover in your book you um they have uh very either classic drinks or very like uh small variations on classic drinks are you finding that italy's cocktail culture is changing and sort of Absolutely. mirroring america's in any way um, it, it that is happening especially in larger cities like milan rome and, and even turin uh Italian bartenders will go abroad, spend time in London, New York, some even in Paris, and learn what's going on um, currently in you know modern cocktail culture, and then come back um, and try to apply what they've learned to of these uh, delicious Italian ingredients. So there are a number of bars, and in, in the back of the book, there are listings of places to go um, where you can find some of these really really cool things that are happening in Italy today. You know, took it, Italians aren't really big into cocktails as you know a general rule because the cocktails are considered something that for probably barely you know strong in alcohol, whereas they prefer something that's a little bit lighter, especially before dinner. Um, so this is it, there there is change. Yeah. Know? Italians like to be able to drink for a long time without getting drunk. Yes, I'd say that's true. Yeah, Yeah. That's why you eat also while you drink. That helps. And on that note, we're going to come back and talk about some of the uh, bites that accompany Aperitivo just after the short break. Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at InternationalCulinaryCenter.com. 
The one and only Dave Arnold brings the noise to Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday on Cooking Issues. Coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick and Brooklyn. If the bomb was going to drop and you only had 15 minutes, which is like, I can, I can make a sandwich in 15 minutes. He would be eating a sandwich. I'd kiss my wife, make a sandwich. If you believe that it's all about to be over, why eat healthy? I'm not a freaking Neanderthal. I like a tempered ice cream sandwich. But it's the only way to get around it if you're a party master because you, you're going to wind up, like, your kitchen's going to fill with dishes. And is Some there... people have commercial dishwashers in their house. Who? I've seen them. Who? I've seen them. Who? <laughs> really rich people. <laughs> For more mile-a-minute knowledge from Dave and the crew, listen to Cooking Issues, available on Heritage Radio Network, iTunes, and Stitcher. All right, we're back on In the Drink with the uh, author Marissa Huff, one of my good friends. Uh, she has an absolutely beautiful book, the seminal book on aperitivo. It's called Aperitivo, The Cocktail Culture of Italy. Um, before uh, the break, uh, Marissa was mentioning a little bit of the bites and something that I, uh, that I find that I say when I'm describing Italian wines to people is that Italians don't like to drink unless they have a little bit to eat and they don't like to eat unless they have something to drink um and with that marissa has some absolutely fantastic recipes uh that uh that are relatively easy to produce at home uh cost not too much to to make uh and uh they're recipes from actual places uh in uh, that do aperitivo in italy were there any themes around uh, what you saw at aperitivo spots places that that actually cared a little bit um well there i think that with this you, you, there is also a sense of regionality mm-hmm. you know the, the book itself is divided uh, the chapters are different cities in northern italy um for the most part but then we have mini chapter or mini chapter on rome and florence and also portofino and liguria and so you'll see the regional differences uh, that, that you see in normal food for dinner or or um, also, you know, like the wines and things like that, that, that also um, is a part of the, uh, the aperitivo scene. I think generally speaking, you know, you can across the board, you will find things like crostini pretty much everywhere. Maybe just the toppings will change. Um, fried food is always a great thing. To, <laughs> you know, it's, it's usually you eat it with your hands. It's, it makes you want to eat more. Makes you want to drink, yeah. drink more. Yeah. So um, in Venice, something fried would probably be like sardines. I have a recipe for fried sardines, fresh ones, and uh, with a, what they call a, a salsa ruggine, so a rust sauce, which is like a mayonnaise, a little spicy mayonnaise. Absolutely delicious. Um, Milan, you might have some fried, fried, fried meatballs. I mean, there are just plenty of things to go around. Or croquettes of different sorts. Yeah. No. And um, uh, going back to the, the drinks and kind of transitioning over to wine a little bit, uh, I know that Prosecco is something that you see kind of all throughout. Uh, wine in Italy is generally pretty hyper-regional where people just drink what's from their area. But Prosecco is something, is it fair to say that that's all over Italy? Yes, you can find it all over Italy, that's for sure. But also more recently, you'll see that there are um, uh, wine producers who are interested in making sparkling wines of their own, and not necessarily in the Charmant method, but in the Metodo Classico, or the Champenoise method. So you're finding um, Champagne-style wines, meaning you know the, the secondary re- fermentation actually happens in the bottle, um, in coming from places like Sicily, um, and not just the normal, the more traditional uh, sparkling wine areas like. 
a Francia Corta or Trento, Trentino. Right, and yeah. from indigenous grapes. And also, from indigenous which grapes, which is absolutely. super cool. Yes, that that is a. a so really you see cool Norello Mascalese in Sicily, Herbaluce in Piedmont. You've got it. I love those wines. Yeah, they're really great. I think they're great, and they represent a good value versus Champagne or Francia Corta. Yep. Yeah. What are some of the ones that you're excited about? And you bring it up. Is there any particular? Oh, that's hard for me right now. Okay. Yeah, I, I've, I've had a yeah. year off. I've had a year off drinking, Joe. I'm you had, sorry. No, you're pregnant. Got, yeah, you just yeah, came yeah. to the states. <laughs> um, uh, new baby. Woke you up at five in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I can say I really like Ferrando makes an Herbaluche, sparkling Herbaluche that I think is delicious, and uh, for a really, really good value, Murgo Etna uh-huh. Rosato is like maybe twenty dollars a bottle retail. Well, one that just came to mind. I don't know if you can get it here. Is you know uh, Conte Eddie Conte makes Capa Capa. Which is really a lot, a lot of fun up from the, up the Carso area. You know, we, it's a part of the Italy that is very dear to my heart. I know that yeah. Benjamin Ziderich was recently on your show. Yes, one of your good of friends. Yeah, yeah. thank you for setting that up. No, it was my pleasure. Very, very sweet. Yeah, and that wine, it's so uh, lazy, but also so much acidity. It's like round, like, oh, this is round on the nose, and then boom, it's like super bright. And yeah. uh, I, I absolutely love that wine. Um, and then I think we're finding, uh, maybe it's just, I'm having a little bit more of an interest. I had no interest in Prosecco for a very long time Yeah, at all, but I, you're now not the only one, but I think that there are interesting like things, a little yeah. couple of things, well, like there's a the little, whole, like cold, cold fondo movement. So, you know, uh, on the Lees yes. and, and those are really kind of funky and fun and they're, you know, light, really light and easy to drink and, and, uh, kind of not what you expect. Right, for I like those. those, and they're a little really cloudy, great. and they can Absolutely. be super dry. Yeah, there's some sediment in there. That's yeah, really great. Yeah, are, are those uh, just for export wine geeks like areas, or are people in Italy actually? No, people it? in Italy are definitely drinking them, but especially in the Veneto region where mm. they're being made. Um, there's a producer. Uh, he also owns a wine bar in Venice, um, Mauro Lorenzon. And he uh, is, I think, probably uh, in, in part responsible for the, the return of these type of uh, cloudy proseccos, um, and, and pours a whole lot of it uh, at his bar. Interesting. La so Mascaretta. Yeah. La Mascaretta is the bar, and his yes. his label is called. Is his name? You know, no, it's not his name. I'm blanking on it right now. Okay. But if I come up, I'll, I'll let you know. Okay. So a couple of the ones that we pour at Alta Linear, Casa Costipiane. Yes, I know them. Really yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, they're great. Uh, Vigna di Alice, which I don't know if I'm they familiar with them. have a colfondo. And then Vigna di Iseppo, uh, okay. Sui Leviti, which is... Sui Leviti, yeah. On, yeah. on the, on the Lees. On the Lees. These are like, these are cool. I never thought I'd be that excited about Prosecco. Uh, but these are, I think, some really interesting uh, Prosecco. Prosecchi. I think Costa di La, I believe, is Mauro Lorenzo's label. Costa di La, yes. yes. Okay. That's, yeah, yes. So I working, think that's Jenny and Francois that. here in the States, and that's okay. delicious wine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then in terms of uh, local wines, do you see local wines during aperitivo? Is it really about the cocktails during this time? No, no, no. Wine wine is, you know, is, is, is a big part of it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that you can you can mix and choose, and there you, you might be in company where someone's having a cocktail, and you'll be having a glass of wine. That's not a big deal. No. In the perfect Italian. No, it's not a big deal. Not you a big a, deal. Not a big deal. You have what yeah. I want. You have your want. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. But the big deal is uh, that you make sure that you you know there's the ch- the cheers ahead of time before you take your first sip. Make sure that you you know cheers with the, your buddy. But you say chin chin rather than cheers in Italian. You say chin chin. And you not must, salute. Not so, with salute. You can you can get away with salute. That's but fine chin too. Chin. And chin then what chin. are there other rules around cheers? Well, absolutely. Um, you have to look at one another's eyes. You know, interlock and lot eyes. Otherwise, yeah, the, the the saying goes. 
goes, it's seven years bad sex, which, you know, for the Italians is worth than, worse than death. Um, and another one is never cross uh, arms. So if you're reaching out to cheers with someone across the way, make sure that you don't cross over someone else's arm. Because once again, seven years bad sex. So We're very serious, very serious stuff. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so you'll see Italians like actually like really be intentional about this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like, be oh. very intentional and also just, you know, look, give you the, the real hairy eyeball if you happen to, you know, make the faux pas of reaching out and crossing arms. Yeah, I imagine almost that the crossing arms is worse than the eyes because if you if you miss the eye thing, then it's your own fault. But if you cross the arm, the two people are implicated in that. Right? Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> ruin, ruin life for everyone. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's intense. Um, and then, uh, so have you have you had any time to think about what was surprising about uh, what you learned that you didn't think that you uh, would know other than particular recipes? Uh, what about this culture? Uh, that's a handsome picture. Yes, that, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and that, what about the aperitivo culture? Did you did you learn that you didn't necessarily know ahead of time? I think that, you know, just that it is so, uh, like, such a big deal, meaning people do it all over the northern Italy, and it is such a special moment for everyone to get together. Um, I think that everyone should do it, too, and we should bring it here to the States. I think so, too. I think so, too. So, it's an Italian's day. You get up, you get to, you go to your bar, right, which is your coffee shop. Correct. Stand and have a drink, probably standing, have a a espresso, or cafe, as they would call it. Yes. Get into work, like, 9, 9.30. It all depends. I mean, yes. I think that's, generally speaking, that's pretty fair. Leave at noon for a two-hour lunch. Well, come on. I don't know Is that, that we could all I don't know if we could all have that luxury, but uh, you know, ideally that would be the case. Yes. And then go back to work, work some more. Go back to work, work some more, and then leave at like six for aperitivo. Eh, maybe seven, six okay. thirty-seven. It depends. You know, I think that the, the other thing is that you know, the happy hour. I think generally in the states starts a little bit earlier than let's say the aperitivo does in Italy. You know, you may even go and play a soccer match before you go out for aperitivo if you have the time or something like that. Um, go home and relax and, and head out again. So I have this idea that perhaps in Italy, lunch hours are shortening and they're kind aperitivo of... Hours aperitivo hours are... Aperitivo is why... Like, they're making up for it at the end well, of the in, day. In is that like, true? In yeah. cities like Milan, that's absolutely the case. I mean, that's, they're, 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 these are working cities. They're, they're, yeah. You don't have the two-hour, three-hour lunch um, that, you know, people like to imagine are going on. Right. Italy, but it doesn't happen in Milan. Not, not really. In smaller cities, maybe. In most smaller cities, or yeah. else it depends, like you know, what kind of job you have. You know, if you're you're entertaining uh, wine geeks from the U.S. and you know you're a winemaker, yeah, you probably do have the luxury of sitting down to the three-hour lunch, and because you know you're working, you're talking about wine, you're drinking wine. All right. Well, I encourage everyone to read the Aperitivo book. Imagine yourself in Italy as you're doing it, uh, sitting down to a two-hour lunch and a three-hour Aperitivo. There you go. Um, and it's pretty easy to transport yourself there. The The book is absolutely beautiful. The, the history in it here is great. The cocktail recipes and the food recipes are easy to do at home. I just think an Aperitivo party would actually be like a good, a good party because the stuff is good at room temperature. It doesn't cost a lot to produce. It's not difficult to produce because a lot of times places are giving it away for free mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely so have an aperitivo party and invite me over 
Uh, thanks so much for listening, Marissa. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. And congratulations. I love this book. Thanks so much, Joe. Um, all right. This has been In the Drink on Heritage Radio Network. I want to thank everyone from Heritage Radio, including uh, Jack, Aaron, David, and uh, goodbye to Allison, who has uh, recently left. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll miss you a lot here. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.